Well, thank you so much, guys. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Psalm chapter 29. We're going to be there in verse 18. Psalm chapter 29 and verse 18. And uh, thank you guys so much for leading us in that time of worship. Um, did a great job. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise today. Amen. Um, I want to, Jordan would never say this, but um, this is the first time these guys have actually played together as a group. Um, so, and also I want to say on Friday night, they had Battle of the Bands uh, at Liberty, but I had been in class all week long. I had wanted to say, but I would have been more of a zombie uh, than a human. So I, I came back to Rock, Rocky Mount, but Jordan's band, the, the guys that he plays with from his hometown, uh, they actually won Battle of the Bands at Liberty University, um, which is a, he would never say this, but that's a capital B-I-G-D-E-A-L. Did I spell that right? So, um, yes, let's get, and that's Jordan, Jordan West and um, their band. And the band's name is Chasing the Horizon. Is that right? Yeah, you can look them up on Facebook, and they've got an album that's going to come out here pretty soon with about 11 songs. Is that right, Jordan? And they're all original. So, very talented. So, we've got Rocky Mount Baptist Church represented at Battle of the Bands. So, uh, man, we're so glad. I just want to say we're so glad having you here. If you haven't had a chance to get to know Jordan, his passion for young people and the Bible um, is very, very, very encouraging. I want to say a word before we jump into our text this morning. Um, I'm going to talk this morning about radical vision. We've done as long as I've been here, basically every day we come, we just pick up a text, we walk through it word by word, verse by verse, pick out the meaning, the big idea. But I want to just, we're going to do that as well, but I want to try to cast the vision for Rocky Mount Baptist Church. Um, And one of the things that was overwhelmingly told to me when I came here in view of a call, as we call it in Baptist circles, And I asked people, what do you want to see happen at Rocky Mountain Baptist Church? And do you know what basically everyone said without me prompting this at all? We want to see young people reached for Christ. Amen? That wasn't something like I came up and said, so don't you think that we should see young people reach for Christ? One of these pastoral, make you feel guilty if you don't answer the same way the pastor wants you to. But primarily, that was from every age group among our senior citizens. Everyone said, like as a unified voice, there's not been one person who said otherwise, we want to see young people reached for Jesus Christ. And I just want to say thank you as a church because there's many churches across the U.S. that say we only want to reach people in ways that feel comfortable to us. Y'all okay this morning? Rocky Mount Baptist Church is about Jesus Christ. So let's look this morning in Proverbs chapter 29. And our main idea, if you have a worship guide, a bulletin, you can follow along with us. Here is the driving thought of what we're going to try to attain this morning. The source of your vision shapes your vision and your vision shapes your destiny. That means wherever we get our ideas about what is good, what is best, what we should live for, what we should die for, wherever that comes from, whether it's from God or whether it's from our culture or whether it's from a rap artist or whether it's from someone who sings country music or whether it's from Brad Pitt or whether it whoever it's from that will shape our outlook on what we live for so the bible says this is an amazing verse and we're going to 
unpack it this morning and try not to make the error that is made often when this verse is preached. But Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18 says, and this is the English Standard Version. So if you have a different version, we're going to walk through the Hebrew and tell you why it's translated differently. So don't think that your Bible is wrong. All right. Uh, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. The Bible says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Once again, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. One of the first things that we as believers have probably realized already when we came to Christ is that living life without God's view, without God's revelation to us, without God kind of coming in and uh, blowing the fog away, is there's disillusionment. We're not going to ask for a raise of hands this morning, but probably most of us can look back at a time in our life to where we got up in the morning and said, why should I get out of bed? Once again, we're not going to throw up the hand because some of y'all are like, man, I barely made it here this morning. That's me. Okay. All right. It's a sense of disillusionment when you think about your life and the way it's going. And when you look in the future, you say, if I continue to do these things, if I continue to live this way, there's really no hope. It's kind of like, even if I get what I think I want, at the end, there's still going to be no hope. But the Bible in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, contains an incredible vision, a goal for Rocky Mount Baptist Church and every single believer. Now, let me just walk through the different ways this verse has been translated, all right? If you have the King James, it says, help me out, there, where there is no what? Vision, okay? The people perish. Think of driving, all right, in the sense there's no vision and you get behind the wheel of a car, the blind man, not going to go over well. New American Standard Version, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. The English Standard Version, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. The NIV, isn't this fun? Nerds are like, we're with you all the way. Our ADD people are somewhere already, all right? Y'all with me? NIV says, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. New King James Version, the same thing. The Revised Standard Version, isn't this fun? I love this. A Revised Standard Version, where there is no prophecy, the people cast off restraint. And then there's Young's literal translation, and it says, without a vision is a people made naked. So why all the different interpretations? You see, why in the world will we have that many interpretations? Well, one thing that we realize from language is that it's not math. Amen? All right, our math people are like, when you were in English class, you hated that. And when the English people were in math class, they hated that. English and language is not a one-for-one basis always. So let me try to give you what the meaning here is for that last phrase I translated, the people perish or they cast off restraint. The Hebrew word here has to do with loosely hanging or unplaited hair on the head. All right, ladies, think about bad hair day. Okay? Husband, she comes in, how does my hair look? And you say, baby, it looks fine. Get an amen from the men. All right? It's good, okay? And then notice, whenever we get up or when we see someone else and the hair is absolutely all over the place, sometimes it's like something needs to change. Are y'all with me this morning? Are you you woke up yet? 
Something is, needs to change, or either, either they're in a band, all right? So, one of the two. But when the Bible describes this, it can be translated three different ways. Number one would be loosely hanging hair on the head that's strewn all about. Number two, it can be mean to be made naked. For example, if the hair is strewn and someone has a receding hairline, it can cause one to look bald, all right? Number three, it can be translated to cast off restraint. And this is an incredible gem from the Hebrew language that when we live our lives in the sense that God is not in control and His prophetic Word, His Word to us, the kind of like God speaking to me through His Word, is not there, not only will I have no armor. Do you all remember when we had all the armor up here on the stage? Ephesians chapter 6, the warrior series, and some of our safety people were like, I hope a kid does not go up and grab a sword. Amen? Alright, like that time. It means that we would go into battle without God's direction, without God's vision, and we would have no defense. would have absolutely no defense. And the Bible is speaking here not necessarily of us having an idea, like a vision. Not speaking of a vision when the Bible speaks of dreams and vision, but like, here's the way. I think I have a vision for how this church should be run. Or here's my vision for this. The only vision that the Bible blesses is what God gives us through His Word. Amen, church? That's the source of it. So, what the Bible is saying here literally is that when there is no Word from God... The people don't have a defense against Satan. The people don't have a direction to go. And in the end, as the King James Version translates it, the people perish. And any individual Christian or any church that says, you know what, Lord, I think I'm going to live my vision instead of your vision, the end of the road is heartbreak and absolute catastrophe. That's why the Bible says that it, it, speak of it, it ends in absolutely dif- disillusionment. Now, how many of you have ever been, um, well, actually, we're not going to do that. If you've ever been a part of a crazy church, I want you to go there with me. All right? We all tracking with that? Okay. A church to where it's kind of run like this. Well, what do you think we should do? Well, I don't know. Let's ask him or her. What do you think we should do? Do you think that we should go on missions? Well, I don't know. Do you think that we should try to reach lost people? Well, let's do it, but let's not offend anyone. Do you think that we should try to reach out to young people so that as we looked at two weeks ago, anybody remember 6% of the millennials? Youngest generation that we have now? 6% believe that the Bible is the Word of God? It's the type of church that would say, you know what, we think that something should be done, maybe, but we just want to make sure it's okay with everybody if we do what Jesus already told us to do. Y'all okay? When the Bible speaks of revelation and a prophetic vision and a word from God, it's meaning that God is the one who comes and says, who's in charge of your church? Not the deacons, not the elders, not Pastor Jeff, not anybody, but it's Jesus. Isn't that a freeing thought today? Are you with me? It is a freeing thought that Jesus is the one who's in control of the church. I just think back when it speaks of the people casting off restraint. Do you remember when Moses went up onto the mountain? He was there, the Charlton Heston movie, The Ten Commandments. You all remember Technicolor and all those great effects back in the day. We were totally mesmerized until modern stuff came out. And he was there on the mountain and he was, he was with God and God gave him the, the Ten Commandments inscribed by the very finger of God. 
But during that time frame, there was no vision. There was no word from God. It was an absence. It was the people down in the camp are waiting. Well, what's God going to say? Is Moses ever going to come back? Or is God ever going to give me a word? And you know what the people did? It was Mardi Gras, right? They threw off restraint. They built a golden calf. Now, here's the question that I have for the people. If you're going to build any type of idol, why would you build a golden calf? Go with, go with me on that. Go with me on that. Have you ever been driving by a field and you look out and you see a bull, you see a deer over here, you see a cow and you see a calf and you're like, that's what I want to worship, right? Like, who does that? Like a calf? Like at least find, you know, a bear or something that, that's really strong. They built a calf. That makes no sense. And, they, and what they did is they, they, they got all their earrings, they melted it down, they made a calf, and they worship melted down earrings in the shape of a calf. Now you can laugh because that's funny if it wasn't so sad. They cast off restraint, and then when Moses came down with the word of God, that's when God's judgment came. So it's very easy for people in their life, just like in the book of Judges. You remember the book of Judges? Or every man did that which was right in his own eyes? Don't you think we kind of live in that world today? To where maybe you've got a friend or a lost family member and you just talk to them, you, you, know, you try to share the gospel and they say, well, that may be your truth, but for my truth, I don't think that that's true. And you, know, and you want to come back with a response like, well, would you just have some rotten food and say, well, my subjective belief is that this food is not rotten, so therefore I'm going to eat it as if it's fresh. No, we don't think that way. But sometimes people in current day America, they've got this view of truth that when you try to come to them, they say, I want to do my truth. I want to do my thing. Well, what do you do when that happens? You pray for them, you continue to work. But in the book of Judges, you will notice that Every generation that goes on, it gets a little bit worse. In fact, if you look at Richard Dawkins' documentary, The the Atheist, which, by the way, did you guys hear this past week, Richard Dawkins, the number one atheist in the world, has admitted that he's not 100% sure that God doesn't exist. Isn't that good news? Got some intellectual honesty going on. He's finally admitted that I cannot know 100% that God is not true. So it's kind of ripples all through the philosophical world this week. He's finally admitted it. But in the book of Judges, and in fact, Richard Dawkins uses the book of Judges to claim that the Bible has a twisted sense of ethics. But Richard Dawkins misses the fact that the whole book of Judges, listen, is an indictment upon generations and individuals who live days, weeks, years, decades, and they distance themselves more and more from the revelation of God. They hear less and less and less, and God is more distant, not because God is pulling away, but because they pulled away from Him. So when the Bible says, when there is no prophetic vision, it's speaking of when God is not speaking, then there's no hope. But the good news this morning is that God has spoken. You guys realize that? We're on the same page there that when we pick up this Bible, okay, we don't, we don't, we don't worship the Bible, we worship the God of the Bible. Amen? This is God's ultimate text message, as Tony Nolan says to us. It's God's love letter to us. So if you're here and you say, Jeff, I want to follow Jesus, but sometimes it just sounds and it feels like my prayers, you ever been there? Like your prayers hit the roof. 
Like, I want to have God's vision for my Sunday school class or my church or my family. But sometimes it just doesn't feel like when I put it in drive to follow Christ, it feels like the transmission slips. It feels like I can't get any type of momentum. Well, there's good news because when you open up God's Word and you work through it, you read through it. There's the president of my seminary, um, the one that I graduated from. This guy is so ridiculously smart. You ever been around somebody so smart, they don't have to even say anything. You just feel dumb by being there. Ever been there? You know what I'm talking about? Like, don't even say anything. I'm just going to go off and punch myself in the face for being dumb. Right? Like, they're that smart. But one of the things that he said that just rocked my world is he said, as smart as he is, I mean, this guy asked any questions, Hebrew, Greek, philosophy, theology, history, you know, whatever, and he knows it. You know, you just want to sit there and ask him, where is Waldo? And get him to get something wrong, right? Those of you who remember that. But he says that, he says that when he gets and he reads his Bible, he said what he does is he sits down in his chair next to his desk and he says he puts his face into his Bible. And he says, I pray and I beg God, God, would you speak to me? Do you know, I never forgot that. Because when the Bible's saying that it's the prophetic vision of God, sometimes we can get to the point to where we think that we have to have a particular dream or we have to have something grandiose. But the Bible is His love letter to us. So what He wants us to do is just read it and obey it. Sometimes we make Christianity way too complicated, far more than it is. So, go with me on this train of thought. If a person or a church or a group loses the touch of God's vision through His Word, if we're absent from that, then what's going to happen is that activity, because we're still going to live, right? Without God's direction, ends in disaster. That's that's what it's saying here at the end of verse 18. The first phrase, people cast off restraint, they are destroyed. In fact, Psalm chapter 127, if you want to write this down in your notes, says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain that you rise up early and go too late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. It means that unless God is in control, do you know what we can do every Sunday? We can meet and we can sing. We can sing uh, old hymns put to a new tune. We can sing old hymns to an old tune. We can sing new songs to a new tune. We can come and we can meet. But at the end of the day, if God is not in the middle of it, if we don't come like that song inside out, you guys remember the, the, the lyrics to that? My heart and my soul, they, they cry out to the Lord. And I, I just want to be so honest with you this morning. Is it that when we come on Sundays, our hearts are crying out to hear a word from God? Is, is it that, that, we, that we love Him and it's kind of like our idea is to say, Lord, if you don't speak to me, like the psalmist says, I'm going to die. Lord, I need you in my life. And I've just been impressed lately by believers. I, I correspond with people that I've met on mission trips in different countries. And to sum it up, uh, people in different areas around the world, do you know that what most of them have? Nothing. Like seriously. Seriously. They don't, they don't have insurance. Some have lived in socialized countries. They have, quote, insurance, but you don't want to go to the doctor. Even if you're sick. They don't have 401ks. A lot of them don't have vehicles. 
A lot of them are poor as dirt. Even if they work hard, the government is so predatory in the taxation, they'll never be able to save up anything. But what they have is they have Jesus. And I was in class all this past week and we were talking about the issues of doubt and it's like the Lord just began to show me. He says, Jeff, with your preaching and with the amazing church that He's blessed you with, I talked to some of my pastor friends and you know what one asked me the other week when I told them about what the Lord is doing here in Rocky Mount Baptist Church and bringing His Jordan and us seeing people saved and the church being open to reaching people. He said, how did you get set up with that gig? I said, it's it's the Lord. But at the end of the day, please hear my heart this morning. If we're not desperate for Christ, all that's going to be is we're going to come and we're going to meet and we're going to go home. And one day we're going to die. But my encouragement to you this morning is the last half. You're like, praise the Lord. He's going to get off of preaching like the old school southern evangelist. All right? But that's good stuff. You know it is. And the second phrase in chapter 29, verse 18. But, don't you love that? You know what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2? That you were dead in your sins and trespasses. That you were dead in regards to God. But God, who is great in mercy, He is the one who made you alive. Aren't you so glad? Listen to me, save people. And if you're dead this morning, wake up. And remember that time in your life to where you were dead to God. You didn't care about Him. But one day Jesus came and He said, You've gone this far, but I'm going to change you today. Isn't that a good day to remember? That's a happy day. So the Bible says, but blessed is he who keeps the law. The word here in the Hebrew is a share. And when the Old Testament in Hebrew, now go with me on this, was translated into the Greek language because the whole world spoke Greek a couple of hundred years before Christ came along so that the world could read it because hardly anybody knew Hebrew. Guess which word they used to translate the Hebrew into the Greek? They used the word makarios, which is the same one that Jesus uses in Matthew chapter 5 when he says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You know what it means to be blessed? It means to be favored by God. It means for God's favor to rest upon you. And for all of us here today, whether you have been saved for a while, whether you need to get saved today, all of us needs God's favor to rest upon us. And you know, I don't know if you've had one of those weeks or one of those months that you've gone and you maybe have failed the Lord and you felt like He has retracted or some of you. You know, I just want to say once again, praise the Lord for Pat Taylor's report. The cancer is not there. They got it all. But I just want to be very honest. Sometimes we get the reports that they didn't get it all. Are you with me today? And it's your friend. It's your loved one. Sometimes we get those kinds of reports and we can be thinking, Lord, I'm trying to keep Your law and You said that I will be blessed. How is this supposed to work? You said that You would always be with me, but the surgery didn't go as planned. The Bible tells us that Jesus is our Lord in life and in death. And to summarize this sermon, which we know is a meaningless preacher statement, the goal for us is heaven. Amen, church? It is something that is so amazing that when we think about it, I even included a verse in your worship guide that's not from the text that we read to the beginning. Notice Revelation chapter 21, verses 22 through 25. Imagine one day when we get there and we see, 
And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb, which is Jesus. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. There is a day coming in which everything that we've done for Christ out of a pure heart will be cashed in and we'll throw our crowns down at the feet of Jesus. And I'm just going to let you know, believer, here this morning, if you've gone through a time of deadness, wake up and trust Christ again. Not to be saved again, but to get on fire like you used to be. We can use the parallel for a husband and a wife. You guys heard the old preacher story to where they were driving down the road. And the man was in the driver's seat of his truck and he was driving and his wife is sitting over here and she said, honey, do you remember the times when we were younger and we used to sit right by each other when you would drive the truck and your arm would be around me and we would talk and he would flirt with me and you would make lame jokes and so forth and et cetera. And he just sitting there driving. And she said, but we don't do that anymore. And he turned over kind of like a John Wayne statement, like a man of few words. And he said, I ain't moved. Just let it roll back, okay? You know, often the sense in which we feel that the Lord has forsaken us, sometimes that's not our fault. Because we're, we're going to study, in fact, the next two weeks um, after this, we're going to study for six weeks the subject of doubt. How do I know? What happens when I doubt? Is that unbelief and et cetera? It's going to be an amazing series. If you have friends, I'm serious. I was going to give an announcement at the beginning of this, but I forgot. So if you have a friend who's struggling with doubt, someone, a believer claims to be a believer, not saved, bring them. Not this next week. We'll talk about radical compassion, but the week after that, six weeks on what the Bible has to say about doubt. And just studying this has been liberating to my soul. But often when we come to the Lord and we say, Lord, I want you to work in my life, um, He will if we ask Him. Let me give you, and I don't have time to go through this, Fred Tudor, and I just want to say, because Fred is not here this morning, so I can talk about him more than I do normally. Um, Fred, uh, and those of you who are guests with us, he's normally our our music leader up here. Um, Our hearts, I've just been absolutely blown away, amazed, thankful to Jesus Christ. He was the head of, I guess, the head of the search committee that that brought me here. Our hearts are absolutely mended on the gospel. We are in total and absolute agreement. Everything from doing different styles of music, everything from going on mission trips. And I have a whole list here. We met for three solid hours the other week about God's vision for Rocky Mount Baptist Church. I don't have time to run through all of it because we would be here until next football season. Um, But let me give you several things that I believe that the Lord is leading us to do. I believe that the Lord is leading us. And we've had, I think we counted up, we've had 60 uh, additions here. About half of those are people who've um, been baptized or saved um, in, I guess, uh, a little under a year and a half. But I was just impressed by the Lord um, in this year of 2012 for us to see at least 50 people saved, 50 people follow Christ in scriptural baptism. For the ones who uh, have been saved, you know, the Lord brings them. And if they're fine with their previous church and not carrying bitterness, then, then, then we would receive them as well. I'll just give you several things that I believe that the Lord wants to do with our hearts this year. 
to develop a whatever-it-takes mentality regarding youth ministry. Just say, you know what, we're going to break into, not, not exactly, we're not going to commit a crime, but we're going to break into Franklin County High School. Y'all get that? I hope that that's going to be on that radio. We're not, we're not going to break into the physical school. Okay, we're going to break into the social groups by praying. and say, Y'all tracking with me, okay? My pastor said we should commit. No, no. Break into the social circles at Franklin County Middle School and High School. Personal humility and brokenness. Humility and brokenness. You know what I would do before the Lord got a hold of me? If I heard a song that didn't necessarily set right with me, if it wasn't my favorite song, do you know what I would do? I would pull back and not participate. Brokenness and humility. Personal, organic evangelism. For every single one of us to begin to reach the friends that we know for Christ. At the end of that, we're going to go into this more next week. But at the end of it, when we all come to our deathbed, if some of us make it that far, and we enter those who've been saved, we enter to be with Jesus. I think about some of those old war movies to where the man comes home from World War II and there's his wife or his fiancée or his girlfriend. And if you notice that, even today, when the camera will pan and the ones who are returning from Iraq and Afghanistan, and they will run and they will embrace each other. Sometimes they cry. Sometimes they laugh. Sometimes they do a little dance. Sometimes It's in an absolute ecstasy, absolute excitement because the two who have been separated who love each other are now together. And when we go home to be with Jesus, it's going to make that look like nothing. So I want to encourage you in this next week and these months to never back down from sharing your faith. Amen, church? And remember that Jesus is in you. Greater is He who is in you than he that is in the world. And Jesus Christ has given us His vision and has to reach the world with the Gospel to reach out to the people who don't have the things that they need to take the Gospel to people who don't know about it and to disciple people here. Rocky Mount Baptist Church loves people because Jesus is Lord.